Hello, everybody, and welcome to our broadcast. My name is Jacob Ayer, and alongside me today is a lot of people. We have Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, a new face and voice in Ryan Alfonso, and both Byron and Alan Wang of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. And the new voice on our show, welcome in, Ryan. You are a past squash athlete, is this correct? correct. And you've dealt with your fair share of permanent injuries or at least pretty serious, serious athletic injuries or non-athletic injuries. Um, What else would you like to say to the people about yourself? Well, nothing. I'm just really looking forward to being a part of this this show. Awesome. And in terms of Thunderbird sports, this past weekend saw the return of rugby and swimming to the weekly ledger. Along with those two sports, hockey hosted its annual winter classic, while basketball completed a home and away Legends Cup basketball series versus rivals Victoria. Elsewhere, volleyball saw the women's side snap its losing skid, while the men's team remained on pace atop the pack in Canada West with their 11th and 12th straight victories. Kicking things off on the side of volleyball, the women's women's team, as mentioned, they did snap their losing streak, which was up to five games with back-to-back wins over the now 2-16 and Manitoba Bisons. Rough season so far for Manitoba. The two wins for the Thunderbirds have brought UBC's record back up to 500. They now sit at 8-8 eight and eight on the season. That's good for 7th place in Canada West. First match was a sweep for UBC. They were especially dominant in the first set. They took it 25-15. to 15. The other two were a bit closer with the second going down to the all the way down to the wire at a 26-24. A bit of extra volleyball there. But thankfully... They pulled it out. They got that 3 nothing win. Finally got a win. Yeah, Gabby Atea, really the dominant force in this one. She tallied 14 kills, 9 digs, and for her, a season-high 6 blocks. Anna Price, also a nice evening. She added to the team's victory with her own 9 kills and 7 digs. Yeah, the Thunderbirds had a season-high 257 hitting percentage, leading the ace count 9-3 to and the kill count by 43-30. to UBC dropped their first set to the Bisons, but rebounded to take the next three and one three to one. They had twenty-eight attack errors. They doubled their which doubled their count from match one, but they also hit a season high fifty-seven kills. Atea and Price were both strong again, with Price recording thirteen kills, eleven digs, and three aces, and Atea tallying twelve kills, seven digs, and five blocks. Bryn Passen also played well with a season high twelve kills and eight digs. Yeah, and the duo of Liv Ferlin and Tessa Davis might have struggled a bit in their returns two weekends ago, but they settled in against Manitoba. Over the two matches, Ferlin averaged 37 assists, 8 digs, and 2.5 aces, and Davis averaged 7 kills, 4 digs, and 2 blocks with a .44 hitting percentage. Yeah, great to see both of them integrating themselves back into the team, and they need them because this weekend, they're back at home, the biggest series of the season. They're taking on the 16-2 and Trinity Western Spartans, the number one ranked team in the country. Interest damn Spartans. <laughs> They're so good. They're so good. But the Thunderbirds have won seven straight non-exhibition matches against the Spartans, including the U Sports quarterfinals last March when UBC became the That's first true. team to ever win a U Sports quarterfinals match as an eight seed. And it seems like whatever 
Juju may have been slipping from the Thunderbirds. Perhaps it's starting to come back with Tessa Davis and Furlan. So we'll hope it continues for them. <laughs> Though I'd, I'd caution against, you know, saying it's too much momentum playing against the Bisons right. for a weekend. 2-16. <laughs> <and 16, laughs> yes. Not your toughest <laughs> opponent for sure. <laughs> Uh, then on the men's side of things, the men's volleyball team continued their red-hot run of play. They had two wins in a row over the now 7-9 and nine Manitoba Bisons this past weekend. That's on the men's side. The Birds are now winners of, get this, 12 straight matches and have not dropped a set in their last seven. That's a stat. That, that's real elite. <laughs> that is extremely elite. They did not need extra points in both of the first two sets of match one, which they ended, they did actually need some extra points um, in match one, 26 to 24, and then 27 to 25 for the first two sets in that match. But they were able to pull out the sweep at the end of the night. As a team, the Thunderbirds hit .368, which is actually their lowest total of the new year. They're averaging a .431 hitting percentage in January. Yeah, it was Michael Dahaniuk leading the way with 14 kills, 6 digs, and 3 aces on a 500 hitting percentage, while Matt Neves was right behind him with 12 kills, 4 digs, and a 474 hitting percentage. Ben Hooker dished out 37 assists, along with a team-high 8 digs. We mentioned that low hitting percentage for the team. Uh, Colton Liu, he struggled a little bit, contributed to that. He recorded 7 kills, but hit only 150, and he had no aces with 6 service errors. He is still the leader in Canada West in aces per set uh, at .75. The next best is .58, but he has just 2 aces against 23 service errors in January. Uh, So we'll be hoping to buck that trend. In Game 2, the Thunderbirds as a team struggled from the service line in Match 2 with 5 aces and 14 errors, though they still swept the Bisons and hit .398 from the opening play. Neves was the sole player in double digits for kills with 15, but he did put up a ridiculous 483 hitting percentage. Lou and Dalhaniuk both added 9, and the two of them combined for 12 digs and 8 blocks. Yeah, Jordan DeShane also added six blocks. Thunderbirds, they led the kill count 46-28, really shutting down that Bison's offense. They had their highest block total of the new year as well. Strong showing. UBC now has three players in the top 11 for hitting percentage in Canada West. Dohaniak, third with .380. Liu, eighth with 307. Neves, 11th with 291, which is the most of any school. Yeah, and since the start of November, as Jacob mentioned, Thunderbirds 12-0, and and they are 36-3 and in terms of set count. And over that same stretch, Trinity Western 12-0, and 36-2 in set count. Put up your dupes! <laughs> it's going to be quite an insane matchup between possibly the two best teams in the country right now. Definitely on offense. Definitely, definitely offensively, this UBC team is a juggernaut. Their last meeting, last year's Canada West quarterfinals, which, which the Spartans won the best of three series, 2-1 to one in Langley. And incredibly, the Thunderbirds are 1-9 and nine against the Spartans at home since 2009. They haven't beaten Trinity Western at War Memorial Gym since 2012. And those weekend matches, which you gave us a nice little run up to there, so they're hoping to break that trend. They begin on Friday night as the women's team play at 6, followed by the men's team at 7.30. Then Saturday matches will be part of UBC's Pride Night celebrations, which is good to hear. Uh, The women's game starts at 5, and then men's will follow that at 6.30. And I will be there for every every single one (laughs) calling, so come out and support CITR Sports and your UBC Thunderbirds. And now jumping into the world of hockey, we finally... 
finally have some wins to talk about for both of our UBC Thunderbirds hockey teams. Woo! Yeah, it's been, been a little bit of a while. Um, both teams That's entered- a heavy understatement. Mid-November <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last time, but not that anybody's counting. Um, both teams entered this past weekend sporting eight-game losing streaks and both needed to find ways to get themselves back into the playoff picture with only three series apiece remaining. We'll start off by looking at the women's, then we'll dive into the men's. For the women's team, they split their series against Manitoba and unfortunately saw their losing streak and goal-scoring drought continue in Game 1, losing by a final score of 1-0 to in overtime. Game 2 may be the bounce-back game that was desperately needed as the women found their scoring touch, lighting the lamp four times and winning 4-3. to Let's get it out of the way here. First, talking about Game 1. Though the T-Birds could not find the back of the net in this game, it wasn't due to a lack of opportunities. UBC outshot Manitoba by a 35-14 to margin, which included a shot advantage of 24-6 to heading into the third period. It was the Bisons goalie, Aaron Fargie, who made all 35 stops for the shutout. Yeah, and the gridlock stayed for 60 minutes of regulation, but it took just 40 seconds of overtime before Jordan Zacharias found the back of the net to win it for Manitoba. She scored three game winners in their last four home games. That is more than skill. That is a a genetic advantage. It's the clutch gene. That's the clutch gene. Yeah, there it is. That's exactly what it is. That's incredible. I mean, to even have those opportunities to get into those situations... And then much less actually producing in them. Good on you, Jordan Zacharias. Good on you. Now for game two. After game one, the team's losing streak stood at nine games. And they'd only scored two goals over that span, which dated back to late November. As you would expect, the Thunderbirds then scored four goals in the first period of game two. Definitely uh, some regression to the mean right there. Ireland Perrot opened the scoring just two minutes, seven seconds into the game to break that goal-lacking drought. One minute later, Jaden Cook scored off a redirect. Matea Fisher and Hannah Coral also chipped in, which gave the Thunderbirds a commanding 4-0 lead after 20 minutes. The Bisons did make a comeback attempt, scoring two power play goals just 130 apart in the second period. They then scored again with just 21 seconds left in the third, but UBC held on for the win. And then, of course, congrats to Thunderbirds goalie Danielle Wirenga for her first ever start and U Sports win. UBC's next two series are at home. They will need to perform as they are clinging to the final Canada West playoff spot, so they really are going to have to fight for those wins. Next up is Saskatchewan, who are third in the conference. Tough opponents as you're fighting for your life. The Thunderbirds have won their last five games against the Huskies, so there are some positives in midst of their opponents being rather formidable. You know, full credit to Warenga, I almost feel bad for Tori McClash. Like, she's been keeping this team on life support for the last two months. Right? Doing her absolute best to try and keep them in games. And the one time they're finally able to score, it's with a different goalie in net. That's tough. Hope for better fortunes for Tori. It's like the best player on the team. It's like a Mike Trout situation in the MLB. I don't know if you guys are MLB (laughs) fans, but it's like you have the best player, probably top three all-time, maybe the best all-time, and you don't build a team around them. What are you doing? May change this year, though. May change. You never know. We'll see. MLB fans, stay tuned. Speaking of positives, time to look at the men's team. The highlight of the weekend was definitely the UBC Winter Classic, a fan favorite event around the UBC campus. It could not have come at a better time as well, as the men desperately needed results. Feeding off of the crowd energy, the men came out firing on all cylinders and took game one 6-2. 
That momentum carried over into Saturday's game, which ended in a 2-1 to double overtime win. In Game 1, which was the Winter Classic, this game was the epitome of Nico's two favorite words, and that's playoff atmosphere. He's a big fan of using it, and this was definitely the game where it applied the most, with all the fans there, and also the two teams combining for an incredible 94 total penalty minutes. And most of that did come in the third when UBC already had that lead. It's a wee bit rough and tumble out there. Yeah, and two players on each team were given a 10-minute misconduct penalty with four seconds left in the night. If you look at some of the official photos from the game on Twitter, the uh, I believe it's the UBC sports photographer, you just see, I asked Nico before, like, oh my god, was it a, were they fighting the whole time? He's like, eh, you know, they were just kind of like getting rough and tumble out there. <laughs> I was like, it looked like they were fighting the entirety of the game. Tyler Sandu notched two goals and two assists, and ten different players found the score sheet, much to the delight of the sold-out crowd of more than 5,500 Marvel spectators. The T-Birds dominated all aspects of the game, outshooting Manor to about 43-22. to They scored once in the first, twice in the second, and three times in the third. Yeah, being present at the game really put into perspective how electric the building was. A huge thank you to everyone who came out and helped cheer the men's team onto victory. And a huge thank you to Joe Carvalho for agreeing to a post-game interview, which we are going to show you in a second here. I believe Joe added the primary assist on UBC's opening goal, on Quinn's goal, I want to say. Can anybody confirm that? What was it like at the actual game being there, Nico? It was it was awesome. Being being there and being able to enjoy it from kind of a reserved role being there being there and going as a student obviously is a ton of fun but when you go and you're actually watching the game to see how the builds ups are created how the penalty kill works how the power play works it gives you a different perspective and if for anybody that didn't get a chance to go don't worry it's coming around again next year highly recommend you check it out and uh, Nico, you were right. Carvalho got the primary assist on that first goal. Great recollection right there from there, our resident hockey guy. There you go. And with that, we're going to hear some words from Joe in a post-game interview a la Nico. Hello and welcome to CITR Sports. My name is Nico Roselli, and I am joined by Joe Carvalho, defenseman for the UBC Thunderbirds. Joe and the Thunderbirds just finished taking out the Manitoba Bisons. Joe, can I get your thoughts on the game and your thoughts on the crowd atmosphere tonight? I thought it was a great game. We knew coming in we had to keep our emotions in check. We know it's going to be uh, hard not to get too excited and riled up, but uh, it was awesome. I thought we played a good game. It was a huge two points for us. We're, uh, it's a big playoff race for us here, so we knew it was going to be a big one, so it's good we could come out with the two points. Speaking about the playoffs, coming into tonight, UBC was outside of the playoff picture by one point looking in. What does the UBC Thunderbirds team have to do to make it into the playoffs this year? I think we just have to play exactly how we did tonight. We just we stuck to our game for a whole 60 minutes. We didn't get away from anything. Might not be pretty. We just kept it simple, get pucks in, get pucks out. I think that's uh, we know that's what we need to do if we want to be successful. So I think we just need to replicate this game, and we'll have no problem getting in the playoffs. Tyler Sandu was leading the way for the Thunderbirds tonight. Two goals and two helpers. What does he mean to this Thunderbirds team? Sandy's a great player. He's one of our leaders. Leads by example all the time, as you can see tonight. Two goals, two assists. Wouldn't expect anything less from him. He's one of our uh, best players, and he's always out there giving 100% making something happen. So I'm not surprised he had a great game out there tonight. Thank you, Joe, and best of luck the second half of the season. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. This has been Nico Roselli with CITR Sports. Again, huge thank you to Joe for agreeing to the post-game interview. Welcome back to CITR Sports. We're going to take 
A quick look at Game 2 of the men. Game 2 just as important as Game 1 because, like we said, the men are still looking to get into the playoffs. So, after the dust had settled and the celebration ended after Game 1, UBC was right back at it with another crucial game. The game actually tipped the Bison's way early as they converted just 34 seconds into the first when Colton Veloso found the back of the net on the power play. Yeah, that lead held until the final five minutes of the third before Austin Vetterell, the team's leader in points, scored the equalizer. Went all the way to double overtime. UBC had a 4-3 on power play. They didn't convert, but then Vetterell came through again with the winner with just 33 seconds left in the overtime period. It's been, to use a phrase we've used on this show, rough and tumble. It's been rocky, but UBC was able to claw themselves back into the final playoff spot in Canada West standings over the weekend. Corey? Would you say it was a playoff atmosphere? You know, I might use that term too. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, they will need to be sharp, though, moving forward as their next two series are on the road, the first of which coming against second-place Saskatchewan, who the Thunderbirds have not beaten in over two years. Tough ask, but if they can grab any momentum out of the Winter Classic. It's kind of a similar uh, situation to the women's side, no? Was, wasn't this the no, women's the, Saskatchewan The team. women's was the opposite. Oh, the Thunderbirds the opposite. have won the last five. Oh, okay. I believe oh. it's six in a row that the men's team have lost to Saskatchewan. So, so opposite uh, histories coming yes. into next week. We'll see how that ends up panning out. Moving from the rink to the pitch now, the University of Alberta hosted the first tournament of the Canada West Rugby Sevens season this weekend, meaning our Thunderbirds women's team played five games in the span of 48 hours. A perfect Saturday against UBCO, UFV, and Lethbridge meant UBC played in the tournament semifinals on Sunday. Unfortunately, they dropped both of their matches on Sunday against the host Alberta and then in their rematch with the Pronghorns, meaning it was a fourth place finish for the T-Birds. Game one was a romp for the Thunderbirds. They hung a boatload on the severely outmatched or overmatched Heat. Kaylee King scored the first two tries of the game before Elena Scramsad and Emily Baker put UBC up 20-0 at halftime. Following the break, Jordan McLeod, Rachel Smith, and Tessa Strom all piled it on further with the final try, including a convert as well. This one actually finished 37 to a big old goose egg of zero. And Game 2 was an even more lopsided affair. Four Thunderbirds combined for eight tries, five of them with converts, led by Scramstead with three. King and Hunter Zeppel each had two, while Smith tacked on the final one to bring this to a 50-0 scoreline over the Cascades. And after those two blowouts, Thunderbirds played a third game that day. Three games in one day. That, that's a tough ask. I've played Rugby Sevens before. It is intense. I mean, people... There's less on the field, so you have to physically exert yourself more. By that third game, you're dead, and I'm not surprised to see that it was a tighter affair. Yeah, Thunderbirds did pull out the win, though, although their offense was generally held in check by the Lethbridge Pronghorns. Lethbridge got on the board first through a converted Carolyn McKee try before UBC scored three in a row. Only one of them was converted, however, around the halftime break. Madison Gold, King, and McLeod provided those three tries before Lethbridge's Jenna Wright scored again to tighten the game to 17-14, but... That's as close as the Pronghorns came. UBC secured a 3-0 record on the day, putting them at a good spot heading into the next day. UBC's win streak would come to an end in front of a hostile home crowd the following day, as the T-Birds were unable to keep pace with the Pandas. King and Scramstad did, did get on the board with tries, but a couple Savannah Dubian scores and single tries from Heidi Peak and Heidi Farley 
put this one out of reach, 21 to 10. Yeah, 22 against, to 10. Yeah, against Lethbridge, once again in the third place match, the Pronghorns had Vengeance pulling out another tight one, 15 to 12. Haley Driscoll provided all three tries for Lethbridge, just enough to surpass the points put up on tries by Emily Meyer and McLeod for UBC. With a fourth place finish, UBC earns eight points to begin the year, putting them seven behind number one UVic, this weekend's champions. Their next tournament will be right here in Vancouver as they host the next event in this seven series in two weeks' time. We are going to look briefly at the men's rugby as well. As per usual, it's difficult to get much information on our program in BC Premier League action, but we can report a win from this weekend, 34-10 over Mariloma RC at home, and that is our team's eighth league victory in a row. Yeah, go rugby. <laughs> That's all we know, but go rugby. <laughs> well, I mean, they did, if you think way back, I think it was in September, they were part of the first ever World University Championships, so our team is obviously highly touted, but they kind of got destroyed at that tournament. They were playing against universities from Cape Town, South Africa, New Zealand, and France, which put up, I think, the winning team. Siberia, too. Siberia we as well. We beat Siberia, though. There was the Russians. I remember, that, I remember yeah. there was the whole... We were worried if Putin was putting his two cents in <laughs> on the tournament, maybe bears in. the Bears, <laughs> but they ended up coming out and rebounding with eight straight victories. Uh, the victory keeps UBC at, top, at the top of the standings at eight to one. The team closes on their heels, Burnaby Lake at seven to two. Is the culprit behind that single loss all the way back on September 7th? UBC continues play next Saturday at the Vancouver Rowing Club, who sit at 0 and 9. And in the premier and are in the cellar of the Premier League. We're gonna take a quick break for ads and PSAs. Then we'll come back to you with some basketball action during a very fruitful and high intensity Legends Cup week. Never mind, the ads and PSAs are going to take a little bit longer to come to fruition. So we're going to go ahead and look at the basketball for the men's team. For the second time in three weeks, the men's team split their series, dropping their home game against Victoria on Thursday and then beating them on the road on Saturday. Game one ended 82-73 to for the Vikes as the Thunderbirds struggled offensively throughout much of the game. Yeah, the Vikes went up 28-17 to at the end of the first, led by Matthew Ellis, who scored 21 points on 9 of 11 shooting in the first 8.5 minutes. Ellis finished with a career-high 39 points and 16 rebounds on 17 of 24 shooting. The Thunderbirds shot under 40% from the field for the second time this season, and just 6 for 26 from 3, that's 23%, which is their worst mark of this season. Yeah, Jaden Cohey led the team in both points and assists with 19 and 4 respectively. Not a terrible evening for him. While Grant Shepard scored 16, though he only shot 6 of 14. He was really struggling to finish inside, uh, normally an area where he's very dominant. Yeah, thankfully Game 2 was a bit of a reverse of Game 1 as it was UBC who took an early double-digit lead and they held it all the way from there, winning 87-77 to 77 in the end. Gohe was dominant, a season-high 29 points along with 7 assists on 10 of 13 shooting. Manrute Claire added 15 points and 7 rebounds, and Jack Cruz-Dumont scored 11 points off the bench. 
and the Thunderbirds shot 55% from the field, a 15% increase from the previous game, and that's their biggest game to jump all season. They did shoot just 7 for 21 from 3, making it 5 straight games where they've just shot 33% or worse from outside. And the Thunderbirds pulled out this win despite some low-scoring outputs from the rest of the starting lineup. Shepard, Grant Odu, and Zach Moore combined for just 17 points on 7-17 shooting. For Shepard, who had 8 points, and Odu, who had 4 points, it was their lowest-scoring games of the new year, and yet the Thunderbirds managed to pull out the win against a pretty decent team. Right, and even though they split, UBC is still clinging to that third spot in Canada West. They're at 12-4 and four now. Next up is McEwen, who hopefully they can beat. They are 0-14, that being the opposition. And McEwen, again, it's just stats. We're not saying anything. <laughs> but the Thunderbirds have only played them twice, and they won both meetings back in 2018. So things are looking at least good for next week. You know, we usually try to avoid jinxing our teams, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. They're sweeping McEwen. I, Come on. I got to agree with you <laughs> the on this o- one here. The 0-14 Griffins. Thunderbirds proceed to lose the next two games. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not happening. I'm, I'm calling it. If it if it does happen, it's on you. It's all on me. Okay, and I will I'll hold you to that. Dalhousie conspiracy all over again. Bring, I've never jinxed teams before. Don't worry about that. Uh, the women's team they swept Victoria and they have won ten of their last eleven games now. Game one, another offensive clinic. They dropped triple digits on the Vikes to take it 100-75. to Keelan Filowich, unstoppable, recorded 27 points and 11 rebounds on 13 of 16 shooting. After scoring her 1,000th career conference point last week, Jessica Hansen scored 15 points in the first half to put the Thunderbirds in front, then deferred more to Filowich and Gabrielle LaGuerta, who combined for 23 points in the third quarter. Filowich's 13 in the third was the most she's ever scored in a quarter. Yeah, when it comes to Keelan, she's um, she's a very good basketball player. I think that she's in the top three in three separate Canada West stats, one of them being field goal percentage. Yeah, right, and then also points and rebounds. Right, she's basically what you would consider a all-star, yeah. for lack of better words. <laughs> yeah, and 13 of 16 shooting is definitely going to keep her right at the top of that field goal percentage. But anyways, the Thunderbirds tied their season high with 27 assists, led by Kate Johnson, who broke her career high for the second straight game with 10. Madison Legault had a season high of her own with 10 points. As a team, the Thunderbirds shot 52% from the field in a season-best 8 of 16 from 3, though they did shoot just 10 of 17 from the free-throw line. Important because UVic is the top free-throw shooting team in the Canada West. Was that their second straight triple-digit victory? Yeah, yeah they dropped a hun- exactly 100 against Trinity West during the previous weekend, and then exactly 100 in Game 1 against Victoria. They didn't do that in Game 2. It was a bit closer, but after falling behind by as many as 12 points in the first quarter, the Thunderbirds rallied and took it 74-66. to And for the first time this season, neither Filowich nor Hansen led the team in scoring. It was Haley Council who dropped 19 points off the bench. Wow. Sixth woman! <laughs> she she is the sixth woman now since LaGuardia started the last few weeks. I mean, 19 off the bench, leading the team? Good on ya. Good on ya. And Filowich had just 13 points and a season-low 5 rebounds, and Hansen scored just 8, but the Thunderbirds got enough from everyone else. Along with Council, Council, Lagerda hit 3 threes for her second straight 10-point game, and Maddie Penn had 12 points and 3 rebounds in just 16 minutes. They were on fire from outside again, shooting 8 for 15 from 3. Coming into the weekend, the season high in 3, the season high in 3s made was 6. 
They made eight in both games. The Thunderbirds are now at 12-4, and four, fourth in Canada West, so same record as the men's side, but a slightly lower standing. The McEwen women's team, like the men's, not very good. They're 2-12, and 12, so McEwen collectively, let's do some math here, I believe that's just 2-26 and 26 good on job. the season. Yay. Good job, Jacob. Awesome job. Redeemed Jacob. himself from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> UBC is 2-1 and one all time against the Griffins, so they do have a loss. That one came in an exhibition game back in 2015. Like the men's, I'm guaranteeing a sweep for Again. the UBC Again. women's Again. basketball team. Again, it's you gonna will be, be held to this, It's going to be 4-0 and this weekend. Trust me. Okay, Jake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and moving on to swimming now. We haven't seen much action in this sport in a while. The Thunderbirds obliterated the field per usual in the home meet this past weekend. In a field of 13 different teams, the T-Birds brought home 37 medals, with the runner-up team, the UVic Vikings, having only 14. Almost every event had a Thunderbird in the top three positions. Starting with the women's, the Thunderbirds had the top nine positions in the 100-meter freestyle with Emily Overholt. What did you say? The top <laughs> nine say? positions. Come on, SFU and UVic. Have some pride. <laughs> <laughs> the top nine? Is, there, is it even a competition or is it just like, you know, some freestyle swimming for the Thunderbirds at this point? It's a UBC time trial. <laughs> with Emily Overholt. I like these the swimming. Gold. I like these inside, like, know-how and know what to say on swimming. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wang Twins. Yes, Hoy Lam Tam just behind her for the silver and Quincy Brozo finishing with the bronze. You mentioned Hoy Lam Tam. She is the sprinting phenom and she continued her streak with the gold in the 50 meter freestyle and the 100 meter butterfly. Although that was a tad slower than usual for her, but it was still enough to get her in a first place finish. You know what's helping her be so fast right now? Swimming. Yeah, she's dropped the Karen out of her name. <laughs> there's no streamlined <laughs> her name. <laughs> she went down from she went from four names to three names. There you go. Yeah, but, dead weight. <laughs> right. I mean, you get rid of quarter of quarter of the body weight. Of course, you're going to be exactly, quicker. Exactly. Yeah. Quarter the name weight. Maybe she changed the diet too to like fit the name, and she's like vegan now, so I'll yeah. shed some extra mass. <laughs> Moving on to someone who has just two names. That's first-year swimmer Josie Field, who won the women's 200-meter butterfly with a time of 2 minutes, 16.39 seconds, which is a little over a second from her personal best time that she set last year. That was easily her best event as she finished an 8-second lead over the second-place swimmer in that race. Yeah, Hillary Metcalf managed to place first in two of the three events she swam, claiming 100-meter breaststroke and the 200-meter IM. And addition to her first place finish in the 100-meter freestyle, Olymp- Olympian Emily Overholt placed second in the 100-meter backstroke and second in the 100-meter butterfly. She typically swims the 400 IM, 400 freestyle, and the 200 IM, but it's nice to test the water for some different events, as she is surely now focusing on Tokyo this summer. And now that's enough from the women's. On to the men's team. Similar to the women's side, the men really made a statement, finishing in the top three for almost every event. Yeah, Alexander Pratt, a familiar name in the swimming community, continued his history of outstanding performances, securing the gold medal for both the 200-meter and 400-meter freestyle. And in the sprints, the men's 50-meter freestyle, Barstow Nyhoff took home the gold in a time of 24.85, just edging out his teammate, Matthew Muehlman, who came second in a time of 25.00. And then in the men's 200-meter breaststroke, it was Jaron LaFranc who won the men's Gold clocking in at a time of 2.23.32, which easily beat the second place by a comfortable four seconds. Yeah, second year, Laird Douglas took the gold in the 200-meter breaststroke, two minutes, 
just under 12 seconds. And you might be thinking, how have we not mentioned Marcus Thormeyer's name yet? Well, he wasn't at that event. Boom. He did not compete. Surprised. <laughs> did not compete at a meet here in BC, but was instead in Shenzhen, China for the FINA Champion Swim Series, where he represented Team Canada and won the 200-meter backstroke title with a time of 159.02, barely edging out Adam Telegy of Hungary by one-tenth of a second. And talking about people who are going to be at the Olympics this summer, Thormeyer is going to be right up there with the very best Canadian swimmers. How cool would that be to see him at Tokyo? Well, we are going to see him at Tokyo. It's going to be pretty sick. I know. (laughs) I'm excited. And Josiah Benema of UBC also did not race at the home meet, but he was in Knoxville, Tennessee, where he swam in the 2020 Pro Swim Series. His competition was quite stiff, but he was able to secure a tie for the bronze medal in the 100-meter butterfly. On top of Thormeyer, Bonema is another swimmer who could be in the mix for the Olympics this summer. And finally, looking ahead at what's to come this weekend, we, as we mentioned earlier, both the hockey teams are playing Saskatchewan. It's the women's term team's turn to be here at home. The Interestingly, the Friday game starts at 11.30 a.m. So if you're planning on going to that, make sure uh, you keep that in mind. It's not an evening game. Uh, basketball, both of them in Edmonton to take on McEwen, where Lincoln Rosebush will lead them to a 4 Okay, Jake. sweep. <laughs> okay, Jake. Had to mention it, didn't you? Yeah, he's going to lead the women's team to the street sweep, too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and he's going to chip in on both sides, undercover Rosebush. <laughs> undercover Rosebush. He's going yeah. to Rose wear a wig. It's good. They're gonna. He's going to get away with it. <laughs> At his 6'10"? Yeah, man, yeah, they'll still only in. get two points out there. Oh, wow. wow. Roasted. He really needs to get on the show. I'm going to make this happen. Women's <laughs> <laughs> team playing above the rim now. And then finally, the biggest series of the weekend, the volleyball team is taking on Trinity Western here at home. And as we mentioned earlier, the Saturday games are part of UBC's Pride Night, so make sure to check that out. And then finally... On Saturday, men's rugby is playing the winless Vancouver Rowing Club, and women's golf is back in action on Monday and Tuesday at Ottawa University in Arizona. There's an Ottawa University in Phoenix. Yep. Which is the Snowbird Campus. There's also a Paris, California, if you can believe that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's a Paris in a lot of countries. Well, so you're more amazed that there's an Ottawa, Arizona? You, is this what you're telling me, Jay? I, I think Paris that is sounds like more you're, well-known. You're nationalistic, okay? Well, there's a Paris, Michigan as well. Okay, wow. I don't like your geography <laughs> skills, okay? Let's dial them back. And with that, if that's all that, that we all. have. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the way you can keep up, with us in the UBC Thunderbirds news standings and stories is to go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is Flower Power Hour at 2 p.m. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been, get ready for this, Jacob Air, Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, Ryan Alfonso, and both Alan and Byron Wang with contributions from Ben Nelson. We'll catch you next week on Tuesday between 1 and 1.30 p.m. And remember to go check us out on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day. We'll try and get the ads and PSAs right now because we all know that's what you came here for.